to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. So good to have you with us today for another episode. And today's episode is entitled The Open Generation. And that is because uh, back in October last year, October 2022, uh, Barna, which is one of the uh, uh, leading researchers uh, in the world, really, partnered with uh, World Vision and Alpha and Biblica, and, and a bunch of other uh, uh, Christian organizations uh, to do a huge piece of research on, on Gen Z. And particularly, they were interested in, in how this generation of young people relate to Jesus, how they, how they view the scripture, and on, on how they seek to make an impact. And what was really exciting about this particular piece of research is that they interviewed nearly 25 thousand teenagers all across the globe 26 nations uh, were involved uh, in, in this study which means that this open generation study is uh, is the largest study of its kind and uh, in spite of the fact that Barna have been doing this for years uh, and you know are a leading uh, researcher in that sense this was their largest study ever and so today we're going to uh, take a deep dive into some of that research we're going to reflect on it we're going to think about what that might mean for our interactions with young people uh, and to do that i am delighted to welcome to the limitless leadership podcast simon gibbs simon welcome to the limitless leadership podcast hey tim thanks for having me um your beard is looking very strong thank you very much yeah i grew it myself um <laughs> Uh, put a bit of wax in it just to keep it shapely, and it's. So I think I think we'll all agree it's a shame for the listeners that they can't see my beard right now. Um, Absolutely, yeah. You, you, you'll, they'll all have to come to Nimbus Festival in the summer and get a view for themselves. Uh, but enough about my beard, Simon. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about you and your uh, designer stubble that I can see. <laughs> I can see that Simon. Now I, you you served as a um, uh, a pastor at, at Hillsong Church in London for eight years. You, you were a young adult and a campus pastor there over the years. Now you work for World Vision UK. And so I'd love to hear, I can detect uh, from the accent that these, these are not your native shores, Simon. So tell us a little bit about your journey, a little bit about your journey in ministry. Tell us, tell us something about your family. Tell us something about how you ended up here in the UK and, and what it is that you do with World Vision right now. Mm. Yeah, well, I've just been in um, Australia and New Zealand for a couple of months. So the accent might be slightly stronger than it normally is. Um, (laughs) I grew up in New Zealand. Um, My my dad is a Kiwi and my mum's South African. And they met hitchhiking in the 70s in Cape Town and Uh. fell in love. How is that? (laughs) What a story. What a great story. Yeah, I know. Unreal. Um, so anyway, they ended up in New Zealand and, um, yeah, grew up there, got two younger siblings. Um, we grew up in church, um, from about eight through to 14 and then ended up in, uh, in an independent Pentecostal church, quite charismatic, um, there in Auckland. And I guess for me, I had a radical encounter with Jesus in a service, um, 
uh, with a, a, I don't know if you know a guy called Ulf Ekman was preaching. Um, he was a, sort of a classic Pentecostal uh, pioneer from Sweden back in the day. And um, it was this conference. I had this amazing kind of experience um, when I was 15 years old, was, was actually quite hardened to God at that time and was going through some things as a teenager. And um, I, I, I was standing in church at the very end of the, the service and something happened. I started to feel all sorts of things. And as a 15-year-old boy, I started to cry, which I didn't cry in church. So I just started to cry and I just felt like God was doing something in me. And I didn't know quite what that was at the time, but it, it outworked itself. And wow. um, yeah, sort of just had this, this real moment um, in a church service and became a committed Christian, I would say, from that point on. And then I'd say from about the the time of, well, when I was about 17, wanted to serve God in some way, didn't quite know what that looked like. Mm. I was playing a lot of tennis at the time, so wanted to become a professional tennis player and felt like that was the way in which I was serving God and felt sort of his, his, his joy or his smile when I would, Mm. when I would play. And um, then our, our family moved to the UK when I was 21. And um, I continued pursuing tennis uh, based in London for a couple of years, um, but started to go along to Hillsong uh, through that time as well. Yeah. And um, I guess God just did some some things in me. I I I never wanted to work for a church. Um, mm. If if I was going to serve God, I always thought it would be on the mission field somewhere out there, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> on on the edge of the world. Um, never, never wanted to be in a, in a church working full time. Hmm. Um, but some things shifted in me and, um, God changed a lot of desires. Um, my heart moved from pursuing a career in tennis to really being turned on to the idea of full-time ministry. And it was something that I, like I said, I didn't necessarily want within myself, but it sort of grew from the inside and something that I, I didn't know what to do with. And then sort of one of these these random opportunities came up one day. Um, Gary, who was leading the church, um, oh, I had one conversation with him in the past. I was only 22, 23 at that point. Um, I was serving on the youth team, and he came to me one day in a service, just tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, can you come see me after the service? And I said, yeah, sure. Um, so I went up to his little room, and uh, he said, I don't know why this is. It, it feels kind of weird, but I feel like God's put you on my heart, and um there's an opportunity that's come up in, um, in, in, on staff. And I was wondering if you wanted to um, do an internship with me. Um, does that appeal <laughs> to you? And, and it was sort of this weird kind of moment where yeah. kind of the stars kind of aligned, it felt almost. <laughs> and it, it was, it was just one of those strange moments in life. And um, I, I, I felt like, yeah, this was the opportunity that God was sort of opening the door for me. Um, and so I took that opportunity, did a, did a year's internship with Gary and then, um, was the young adult pastor for about four and a half years, I think at Hillsong, Mm. um, then moved on to uh, more campus wide ministry. And so served as a campus pastor at Bermondsey, um, for around about three years, um, then served as a teaching pastor, then ended up just, I guess my, my, my time at Hillsong had run its course. And so I. I, I decided to to transition and to move into other things and um, did a master's um, in theology and then ended up mm. at uh, 
at, at World Vision and I've been loving it ever since. So Amazing. Yeah. So, so tell us now, what's, what's your role at World, World Vision now, Simon, and what, what is it that you, you give your days to? Yeah, so I work in the Christian space at World Vision. Um, and uh, I, I for, those, for those with, who don't know what World Vision is, I'm sure many will, but for those who don't, yes. so, yeah, give, like, tell, tell us should, about that. Yeah. Should explain. Yeah, so <laughs> the World Vision is an international uh, charity. Um, we're child-focused. Um, it's probably the largest children's charity in the world. Um, so does everything from responding to emergencies and disasters. Yep. So, for example, um, last year we responded to the Ukraine crisis. Um, we have a hub in Romania uh, that is serving displaced families from the Ukraine who are fleeing their homes. They end up in our hub. And uh, World Vision Office there is able to serve them immediate needs um, and help process their sort of next steps into to what the what, what what's next for them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's there's lots of that kind of kind of thing going on even now with Syria and Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, we're responding to the earthquake there with uh, fuel, heating, shelter, food, mm-hmm. emergency needs, that sort of thing. World Vision is also very involved in more like longer term development work. Um, so if you think about okay, there's an, a there's a response to an emergency crisis, but but what's what happens in in five ten years from now? How yeah, how yeah. what mm. what what's happening in terms of the rebuilding of that community? And so um, I guess that would be more along the lines of our child sponsorship programs. That's where that would come in. That's more longer term um, development kind of work. So so it's all about helping uh, people and desperate you know, all the most vulnerable children um, yeah. in the most desperate places in the world, overcome uh, poverty, experience the fullness of life, giving them a hope and a future, all of all of Love that it. good stuff. Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think in many ways we see, you know, we see ourselves as an organization, as an extension of the church. Mm. The organization was started in 1950, birthed out of a prayer that went along the lines of God break my heart for the things that break yours. Mm. Um, in response to an emergency in uh, South Korea, and and so that really is the heart of the organisation. It's it's a Christian uh, charity, and mm. and that's the heart. God break my heart mm. for the things that break yours. So we see ourselves, as I said, um, as an extension yeah, of the church, and going to the places uh, where the church ultimately can't go, and mm. so connecting you know, the needs of people, the most desperate needs of people, most vulnerable children in the world with the church and helping the church to say, hey, let's do something about it. Okay, World Vision, we are, we can do something about it. Church, local church and, and uh, Bradford might not be able to, but but we can, so, so, so let's do this together. Mm. And so I'm sort of in that space, in the Christian space and uh, working um, on partnerships, mm. uh, Christian festivals, Christian events, um, all of that kind of kind of thing, um, things like uh, the Open Generation Project, mm. Um, mm. Uh, helping uh, connect the church with uh, with all sorts of resources. And yeah. yeah, fantastic. Well, that provides a perfect segue, Simon. It's like we planned it. <laughs> we didn't, but it's like we did um, to the Open Generation Research. So, why is it then that you know? Uh, this caught the interest of, of World Vision. Why is it that that World Vision and Alpha and Biblica and these these other organisations part with Barna to commission this research? What what's the heart behind it? Why did it feel like it was necessary to ask these questions? And and, and why now? Yeah, I mean, great question. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's probably probably a couple of aspects to that. Um, I think we've we've got the emerging generation or Gen Z is is, is coming of age, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And and they're 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 growing up, and so I think it's um it's apt that we start to seek to understand what makes this generation tick more so. Um, they'll be the ones who are shaping culture and you know shaping yeah. society in the in the years to come. And um, for for us as the church, it's it's important for us to understand the emerging generation and to be, yeah. you know, understand to, the signs of the times, as they say. Exactly, yeah. and and to to be able to connect uh, more meaningfully with the emerging generation. And so, I guess why why is an NGO interested in in in, in that? Well, as I said earlier, I think we we see ourselves as an organisation as an extension of the church, mm. as an arm of the church. Let's say. And so much of our the work that that is programmed is only possible because of the support of local churches. Yeah. And so, you know, we very much recognise that we appreciate that. And I think one of the ways that that we can serve the church or invest into the church is through projects like this. Mm. Um, and and so this was a project that was identified um, a few years ago. We have done one or two other Barna studies um, uh, previously, and um, I, I think it was in 2018 we partnered with Barna, just, just World Vision and Barna, and we we put a study together that sought to understand the perceptions of of how of how people see the church in relation to social justice, which was a very interesting study. Um, and there's some of that in in here actually as well, isn't there? In terms of how people see Jesus in relation to social justice, but we'll come to that in a bit. Yeah, 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 that's right. So I think the heart behind it is, you know, Alpha World Vision, uh, Biblica, you know, all organisations that seek to serve the church in their respective ways, and um, this is one of the ways I think we're able to do that. Um, so. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of broken down into three sections, if you like. So how young people relate to Jesus, how they engage with scripture and how they seek to make an impact. So let's let's take that one at a time. You're not going to obviously have time to unpack all of it. We're not going to be able to discuss all of it here. So we will link at the end and in the show notes to where you can get that um, the, the full thing uh, if this kind of piques your interest. But let's start with with how they relate to Jesus. What were some of the key headlines that came from that? piece uh, of, of the research Simon yeah really interesting so um, most teens around the world had a positive perception of Jesus um, mm. which which was great cool um, so teens today admire Jesus for his compassion forgiveness care of others um, but but what's very very interesting about um, the general theme of the study is is that teens, recognize the historical Jesus. They, res- right. they, they, they recognize the, 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 the past of Jesus, but they don't acknowledge so much the present reality of Jesus. Right. Uh, there's sort of a lagging sense that Jesus is personally um, and actively engaged um, in, in our lives today. And, and, and what's interesting is um let me just give you give you a couple of stats here. Yeah. Um, globally, the characteristics that teens are most in agreement about concerning Jesus are in the past tense, so they reflect on his time on earth. 
Okay. The least popular responses are that he is active in the world today. Mm. Um, so only 24% of teens believe that he can be communicated with today. Okay. Um, 24% believe that, you know, he can, people can have a relationship with him. And nice. only 21% um, of teens believe that he is active. Um, so the, this perception of an inactive Jesus is, um, is, is quite common amongst teenagers. Um, obviously non-Christian teenagers, but even amongst Christian teenagers. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing, Simon, because I, I, when I first heard um, David Kinnaman from Barna talk about this research, one of the things that really jumped out to me from uh, uh, amongst everything else was that um, when you talk about this, like Jesus being active in the world today, mm. among Christian young people, less than half agreed with that statement that jesus is active in the yeah. world today yeah i can't quite get my head around that so the young people they're saying they're christians i understand that to mean that we are followers of jesus and yet thinking that jesus is not active the majority thinking that jesus mm. is not active in the world today uh, what, what what do you make of that simon how do you get your head around that i'm i'm not quite quite sure and i think it's because we don't have comparative research to previous generations, so say our generation, millennials or yeah. Gen X or, or baby boomers, yeah. I think it's quite tricky to to compare against, say, the other generations. So whether whether that is something that is consistent amongst teenagers as a general rule yeah. or whether that is something unique to this generation is really hard to distinguish at this point. It's So do you know what I mean? So whether yeah. that's just a feature of being a teenager and coming to terms with your faith and yeah. sort of growing yeah. up into what, you know, growing up into your faith, whether that's a, a consistent feature as a teenager or not, I'm not so sure. Uh, speaking from personal experience, as as I just shared a bit of my story, um, I wasn't, I mean, I, I, I absolutely believe that Jesus was crucified and I absolutely believe that he was risen from the dead. And for me as a teenager, I, I had a I had a very strong sense that Jesus was not only active in my life, but he was active in the world. And I think that was that was reflective of certainly the context that I was in, a Pentecostal charismatic church yeah. of about three and a half thousand people and a, um, a, a youth group of around about two hundred and fifty. I think that was that was that the youth group had a real strong sense of that. So yeah. again, whether that is that that relates to your particular context as well of church. Okay. That's yeah. that's interesting, but I was very surprised at that as well. Yeah. Um, and wouldn't it be interesting, Simon, for the the youth leaders listening, just to sit down with their young people and ask the question, you know, by way of a show of hands or like you know some creative way of uh, su uh, surveying that in in a um, anonymous way, like do. Do you believe that Jesus is active in the world today, active in your life, active in the world? And to see yeah. how that translates, how that broad statistic translates into your own local youth group, because that will give you a real indicator of whether or not your young people themselves have a living relationship with Jesus, which ultimately is is the one thing we're trying to lead them into, isn't it? <laughs> a living relationship yeah. with Jesus who will lead them into, you know, fullness of life and, and all that is associated with that. So wouldn't that be 
like an interesting question to, uh, and maybe we maybe we assume that our young people have that, uh, and perhaps they're thinking more in these like as you said these past tense terms. Well, Jesus is somebody who did something. He lived yeah. and he died. Possibly he rose again, um, but he's not doing something now. Uh, mm. How interesting would it be to find out and to try and scour that information just to say, where are my young people at with Jesus and, and how living and active is there? Is there a relationship with Jesus? Yeah. I, I wonder um, if it's got something to do with, so the stat also says that only 50% of Christian teens believe that Jesus rose from the dead. What? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. So, hang on, Simon. <laughs> Sorry, I'm throwing how can you be how can you be a Christian and not believe Jesus rose from the dead? It's kind of like well, that's yeah. kind of the entry level, no? <laughs> so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not you're gonna have to help me out here. So so there's from from what I can tell from the research, there's a lot of gaps in that gospel. Okay. Yeah, wow. so there's there's past, but whilst most teens believe that Jesus died on the cross, only fifty percent believe that he was risen. Yeah, and 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 the statistic, like overall, not just from the Christian young people, is thirty three percent believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. Which I, so I yeah. actually thought that thirty three percent was quite high in terms of like a general populace of young people, but fifty percent of Christian young people is uh, staggeringly low. Because <laughs> yes. to me, that should be one hundred percent. I mean, it's literally. Uh, if Christ was not raised, says the Apostle Paul, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. The whole thing yeah. hangs on the resurrection of Jesus. The whole Absolutely. thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. So that, I mean, so. that's that. Yeah. What, how do you reflect on, on that in terms of what that means for youth ministry and, and our engagement with young people, Christian and, and non, non-Christian alike? Mate, mate, mate I, I, I can't speak for youth groups and I don't know, you know, yeah. whatever, but, but maybe there's just needs to be more of an emphasis on, on just preaching the, you know, the more of, you know, more of the gospel in terms of, you know, his, his life, his death, his resurrection. And maybe that's, um, maybe that's introduced in, in some way into, into every sermon or just included somehow into, into the program, even if it's yeah um, just quite subtly, um, because because I think that that brings the whole thing alive, isn't it? It's what you said. Everything hangs on the resurrection. It does. Yeah. It's like that. It, it, if if Jesus did rise from the dead, um, then he is alive, and which means that he's also active in the world today. Um, right. And and so that's obviously a very important feature of the of the Christian yeah. faith. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that has some impact on on how teens are perceiving their faith and their engagement with faith in the world around them. Yeah. 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 It it strikes me in a couple of ways. Um, Like one for our young people who would describe themselves as Christians, like how much do they understand the significance of the resurrection as kind of the cornerstone really of our faith without a resurrection, there is no Christianity. Yep. Um, uh, you know, it's the founding event of, of our faith and the thing that makes it, holds it all together. If the, uh, you know, again, as Paul said, if there's no resurrection, there's no, there's, there's no faith, there's no Christianity. Yeah. And so um, I wonder if we, or if I am guilty of just taking that as read, but evidently it isn't. 
Mm. And so I wonder if there's maybe just a need. What, what we know about Gen Z is that this is the first truly post-Christian generation in that they're the first generation to have been raised by non-Christians and so lack even the memory mm. of the gospel story. Maybe for me, as someone who's been brought up in church my whole life, um, living and breathing that gospel story, maybe I am guilty of assuming a knowledge about the basic things, the foundational things that just isn't there. Yeah. And maybe there's just that need for us to go with our young people to go back to basics and to talk about the life, death, resurrection, you know, ascension and, uh, you know, coming again and new creation and just those basic things Mm. that are, you know, keys to that, to the whole gospel story and why it is that we follow Jesus in the first place. Maybe we assume that knowledge and it's, and it's, and it's not there. Maybe, maybe we need to go back to basics in that way often uh, with our young people, but then with, with the broader strokes of 33% of just young people in general who do believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. Well, if somebody believes that, but is not a Christian, that strikes me as an opportunity. Mm, Because if we're able to communicate, Hey, have you ever thought about what, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, what that actually means and what that means about who he is, yeah, that strikes me as an, opp- an amazing opportunity for, for evangelism. Uh, so, yeah, that's a couple, couple of things that, that, that makes me consider. But again, just be fascinating yeah. to survey that within the context of your own youth group, wouldn't it? And yeah, actually it would be. Have, have you, as a youth leader, assumed, assumed a knowledge within yep. your young people that actually isn't there? Yeah, that's such a good point, Tim. Absolutely. Because I think we're quick, aren't we, you know, to, to jump to the how-tos of, yeah. how to live out the Christian life. And it's easy to, to just have that assumption and to move from that quickly yeah. to like, how does your faith then play out in your day-to-day life? But hang right. on, we've come back to the basics yeah. and we've yeah. got to keep on, you know, pressing, yeah. pressing those, those basic things. Can't take them for granted. Can't be yeah. assumed. Mm, absolutely. Well, I'm challenged by that, that thought, Simon. So let's, let's move on to the next section then, which is about how young people engage with scripture. Give us some of those headlines. What were some of the key findings and, and statistics mm. to come out of that part of the study? Yeah. Um, so 59% of teens around the world own a Bible. Wow. Yeah. 59%. Amazing, huh? That's, that's high. Yeah. It's very high. How many of them read it? <laughs> <laughs> Gideons have done a good job. Yeah, yeah, they have. They have. Um, so that's whether they're Christian or non-Christians. So yeah. regardless of 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 faith. Wow, that's amazing. Um, also, another interesting fact. Um, so forty-four percent of global teens recognise that the Bible is holy. Wow. Okay. Also, that's high, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So you're taking Muslim teens, you know, teens of other faiths yeah. as well. So yeah. there's probably some level of re- mutual respect, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, 41% of global teens believe that the Bible is inspired by God. Well, 40%, yeah, gosh, 40% of global teens think that the Bible is good. And 39% of global teens see the Bible as meaningful. Say those so, last two again for me. 40% of teens see the Bible as good. Yeah. 39% of the teen of teens 
see the Bible as meaningful. Okay, so does that does that mean sixty percent of teens see the Bible as not good? Um, I don't have those stats in front of me, but I would say it's a mixture of neutral and negative. Okay. And negative. Neutral and negative. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so what what were some of the conclusions that have been pulled out of the, that those findings and, and drawn drawn from that, Simon? Yeah. Okay. So, eight percent of teens are Bible engaged, which means that they read the Bible several times a week. Eight percent. Okay. Now that's yeah. taking into account that's global teens. Yeah. Yeah. Not just the UK. Sixty-two mm. percent of teens are Bible open, which means that they read the Bible more than three or four times a year. Okay. So yeah, not, not big Bible readers. Yeah. <laughs> and then 30% of teens are Bible unengaged. Okay. So never read it. Yeah. yeah. Never read it. Yeah. yeah. So 8% uh, are Bible engaged, read it several times a year. 60% read it occasionally a few times a year. Mm. Um, this is quite interesting. Um, when teens read the Bible, they are most they most prefer to read a printed version. So forty five percent would read a printed version of of those who read it. Um, only twenty percent read via a tablet or a smartphone. Eight percent read online. Yeah, it is. Hey, eight mm. percent read online. Four percent uh, listen to an audio recording, or four percent uh, via video. Okay. Um, so the majority read a printed version well, rather than uh, rather than an app or yeah. you know or yeah. something on a, on a tablet. Yeah. So yeah. I want to ask about the eight percent Bible engaged mm. because here's the thing: ninety four percent of young people go on social media every single day. Eight um, percent are Bible engaged. So we know what's shaping their worldview. Yes. Um, you know, as scripture has it, Jesus speaking about how the eye is the lamp of the body. The apostle, the apostle Paul speaking about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as neuroscience would have it also, you know, how repetitive behaviors shape and form our neural pathways. We understand that we are, we're becoming what we contemplate. That which we give our attention to shapes our mind neurologically. It shapes our thinking. It shapes our belief system. So for me, one of the major priorities of, of, uh, of a youth worker in this cultural moment is how we help lead young people towards greater engagement with the scripture. I think it's huge. I, absolutely, it's huge. Mm. Um, because our worldview is being formed. We are being formed. The question is not, are we being formed? But what are we being formed by, right? And are we being formed by the truth of of, of God's word as revealed, you know, in, in the scripture? So what are your thoughts, Simon, on on how we do this in the digital age? Really interesting to note that actually, as you said, young people are more likely to engage with physical printed Bibles than they are digitally with, with the scripture. I think that's really interesting. But what are your thoughts on how, how in the digital age do we work with our young people 
and lead them towards greater engagement with the scripture? What are some of the tools? What are some of the, what are some of the keys? What are some of the kind of, kind of the ways of means by which we might, might do that? Do you think? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I, with so much, with so much at, at the ready at, you know, so much access to different kinds of information at your hand. Mm. I think that the, the role of the role of a pastor becomes more of, more of a shepherd um, that, than than it was, you know, I think years ago when we didn't have smartphones and when I was growing up in youth mm. and that sort of thing, you know, was you'd go to church, you'd hear the, the scripture preached, you'd have your little Bible by your, you know, your bedside and, you just you'd, you'd read your Bible, or you'd read a book, or or whatever. We we didn't have social media access to all of this different information, whereas teenagers do now. Mm. So it becomes a role of I think of shepherding and and understanding that that teenagers are going to engage with all sorts of things. So what are the kinds of things that we should be pointing young people towards? What are the kinds of resources? What are the kinds of Instagram pages? Um, what are the kinds of apps? Um, potentially, that's that's a way of you know it's 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 not shutting these things down. Okay. It's it's understanding that that teenagers are engaging in all of these sorts of things and going okay. What are the things that 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 are going to help promote um, engagement with the Bible? Yeah. Help promote engagement with you know Christian faith. Um, let's let's shepherd our young people towards those types of things. Mm because there will be different voices, but they're going to be shaped by, by various voices around yeah. the world. And that yeah. is just the reality of the world that we live in nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to put in front of them, you know, Hey, try this plan on, on, on the Bible app. This is going to be a plan that's going to really help you in the situation you're at right now. And Hey, maybe we'll do this plan together and, you know, we, you know, or maybe we can reflect on it, but next week and how that, how that reading went for you, or we can, point them in the direction of a Lecture 365 app or, or in the direction of the Bible project and their mm. you know, videos and their, and their teaching on, on, on scripture. And, and so you're, that's, that's what I'm hearing you saying, right? That we're. Yeah, um, I think so. And, and these voices even, you know, it's like, you know, they're, they're going to be listening to different voices on Instagram, say whether it's a John Mark Comer or a, or a, this, you know, Rich Wilkerson Jr. or whoever. And it's like, yeah, that's a good voice to listen to. That's a good voice to listen to. Yeah. You okay, should go listen yeah. Yeah, so I think it's shepherding. So we're almost helping them to filter the yes. their content and the consumption. And I guess, you know, yeah. on, on the flip side, the hey, you know, maybe it's not good to have that voice in your life or to be subscribed to that YouTuber exactly. who's, you know, telling you things every day as they upload a new video that are counter to the way of Jesus. And yeah, 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 yeah. that's good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think that's just the, the reality of, of the world that we live in nowadays. I know when, when I come together with some friends and we talk about various podcasts that we're listening to and, hey, what, you know, I'll receive recommendations of this podcast, that podcast. And I think I'm at a stage where I can sort of, you know, self, you know, I can filter those things for myself and I yeah. listen to a voice and I think, hey, that's actually not not a great voice. I don't really want to be listening to that. Well, this is a really good voice. This is this yeah. is positive. Um, but I think with young people, they're still at that stage where they're not quite mature enough to 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 make those kinds of decisions. And so it's helping shepherd um, yeah. young people in, and, in and making those kinds of decisions. And the real challenge, I was I was talking about this just yesterday with some of our students here at Regents Theological College. I was lecturing, and, and, and this kind of conversation came up. And we were speaking about how like the algorithm 
on TikTok particularly, um, but it's true of all the platforms, creates this echo chamber mm. because obviously, you know, the economic model is such that it wants to serve you up the content that's going to take the most of your time. So it feeds the algorithm, you know, serves you up the content that you've been most engaged with in the past. Um, so you just get the same kind of narratives day in, day out, repeatedly over and over and over and over again. So we kind of need to try and get them engaging in some content that breaks the pattern of the algorithm and mm. we'll start serving them up some good, solid Christian content, right? Um, yeah. That's going to speak some truth into their, into their hearts and, in, and into their minds. Um, yeah, rather than, you know, just going around in this echo chamber, which is going to be reinforcing the kind of narrow paradigms of a secular yeah. worldview. How yeah. do we break into that algorithm by encouraging them to get, you know, to be engaging with content, which eventually will begin to self-perpetuate, right? And 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 create an echo chamber, but in a better way, <laughs> in a way yeah. that's speaking truth and and good goodness into their lives. Hopefully, that's a really interesting thought, Simon. Yeah, I've not thought about it in that way before. Um, yeah, so it's really no, helpful. It's, Thank you. Yeah, I think yeah. that's interesting, but also. I don't know whether it's um, worth emphasizing also, you know, Bible apps and that sort of thing, engaging digitally with the Bible, um, seeing as only 20% of Bible engaged actually engage with the Bible through, through an application, you know, a lot of doing it through paper, which is, which is great. Um, but I don't know if, if that would engender more, well, more engagement with the Bible. Yeah. Um, Cause on the one hand, I'm hesitant to do that because I know if you're on your phone reading the yeah. scripture and you get a, you know, Yep. snap comes through or like some notification or it rings or whatever you're distracted from the time that you're spending with jesus so unless you switch yep. off all of your notifications and you stick it on airplane mode yeah like it's very very difficult to be you know focused on god and you yep. know that's a really good point as well in prayer but yep. you know at the same time if you're say you know on the flip side if you're gonna be on your phone better to be on your phone on the Bible app, <laughs> better to be on your phone, you know, engaging with le lecture 365 or whatever it is, than you know, wh whatever else you could be kind of watching or, or wasting your time with. So yeah, really <laughs> interesting. All right, Simon, let's move on to the, to yeah. the final um, uh, piece uh, of the research, which is how young people seek to make an impact, particularly of interest to you, I guess, in your role with, with World Vision. So again, give us some of the headlines, unpack some of that for us. What, what did the research uh, discover? Yeah, sure. So, um, <clears throat> so three in five teens, uh, so 59% uh, believe that they themselves can make a positive impact on the world around them, um, which is to me a really significant uh, number of of teenagers they believe that they themselves can make a positive impact on the world around them 59 percent. yeah so not just their generation in general but they themselves personally yeah okay yeah um 87 percent believe that their generation can make a positive impact yeah which well, again yeah. Is, is very interesting mm. um so more than three quarters of teens so 78 percent um, say that they are motivated to do something about the unfair or undeserved treatment of people in society. Um, and then 76% of teens are motivated to learn more about injustices. Um, mm. So again, very encouraging. 
um, they're motivated to do something about society, um, things and injustices in, in society, but they also acknowledge that they don't have the complete picture and um, they are really motivated to learn more about uh, those injustices as well. Yeah. Now, like, interesting, but it's not news to us, is it, that Gen Z is a, like, justice-driven generation. We know we know that. What, what I thought yep. was interesting that came out of the research is um, – the 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 kind of top areas of 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 concern and the things that they did feel concerned about could you um have, have you got that there yeah, uh, uh, simon it would be great to hear what are those uh what mm -hmm. are those top areas of concern for young people and, and the things that yeah they, they really wanted to take action about yeah so again this is this is uh global yeah um, so you're 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 thinking about places like brazil mexico honduras um you know part of the, yeah. the, the global south you could it's say. not just so, it's not just british it's certainly not it's not just it's, western even it's no yeah. Yeah. yeah so so for global teens extreme poverty is the top of the list on on their greatest concerns so 38 percent of, of global teenagers say that the most concerning thing in the world today is is extreme poverty yeah um 35 percent probably unsurprisingly um uh, teenagers say that climate change is, yeah. is the most pressing issue. Um, 33% is sexual abuse, which right. wow. is interesting, but probably wouldn't rank as highly in the UK. But given that it's a global research study, it, it, it obviously ranks higher in other, yeah. in other nations. Unemployment, 33%. Mm. Uh, political corruption, 31%. And pollution, 31%. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So, so uh if you were to take pollution and climate change together mm. that would bolster that significantly yep. it would yeah um because like, um, that yeah i know that in the uk climate change ranks the highest yeah that amongst, surprised me yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah amongst the most pressing issues and i think uh extreme poverty is number two in the uk right yeah interesting interesting <clears throat> yeah yeah What's interesting, though, is that I think was interesting that came out of the research is that though, you know, it confirmed what we already know about how here's a generation who believe they can make a difference and are active in making a difference. We know that social activism and justice issues are, you know, top priority for this generation. Yeah. What was interesting is that only 35% believe that Jesus was uh, an advocate for justice. Mm. And so there's a yeah, disconnect, right. isn't there, between there is between under, an understanding of things that, you know, par participating in making the world a better place and advocating yep. for justice and the gospel. Yeah. Which has it at its heart. Yeah. Um, any thoughts as to, as to why? As to why that might be and why there is that disconnect and you know have we have we you know the church not done a good job of 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 communicating about a god of justice um what, what do you what are, what are your reflections there in the kind of disparity between those mm. statistics in in the research yeah it's it's definitely reflective in the research here um, just one in four global teens, so 23%, say that the church is definitely making a difference on issues such as poverty and injustice. Um, 
So just confirming right. what you said. So, um, yeah. and churches and Christian leaders aren't seen as having major roles in injustice. Just over two in five teens say that Christian leaders have a major role to play in addressing injustices. And one in five says that Christian leaders have no role at all in these matters. So, yeah, clearly there's there's a there's a, there's a disconnect mm. between addressing injustices and the church. Um, it, I, I think it's definitely an important area of self-reflection for the church. Yeah. Um, my experience of church has certainly been that, you know, justice or, or, or addressing social injustice is, is a department and, and it huh. sits, you know, over, over on this part of the church. And some people who are motivated to do something about that uh, go and join the social justice team. And then they might do something on a Thursday night, you know, go and go and work at food yeah. food bank or something like that. Um, whereas I think, in in terms of how we probably should see justice, the the role of justice in terms of the gospel is that it really sits at the heart of the gospel. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll read just Luke four. This is uh, mm. this is after Jesus has been baptized. Mm. This is after he has been sent into the wilderness by the Spirit. Mm. And Luke tells us that Jesus returns to Nazareth mm. in the power of the Spirit. Mm. And he gets up in the synagogue um, and his famous, uh, yeah. he unrolls the, 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 the scroll of Isaiah and, and reads out this famous quote. And he says, you know, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the, of the Lord's favor. And then he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So in essence, he is he is setting forth the agenda for his yeah, ministry. His manifesto, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And in it, he outlines that he is going to proclaim good news to the poor. He's going to set the prisoners free. He's going to recover the sight for the blind. Yeah. So he's talking about all of the types of people who sit on the margins of society. That's right. And then what he goes and does is he goes and performs uh, a set of miracles. Um, and one, well, a couple of them are... W- have got to do with people on the margins of society. So he he goes and heals a leper, somebody mm-hmm. who is cast out of society, who's yeah. on the margins. He heals him, and then he sends them to the temple. And the temple in ancient Israel was the center of society. Mm-hmm. So in essence, he goes to the margins, he heals this man, and he puts him back into the center of society when he was mm-hmm. cast to the margins of it. Yeah. And so right at the heart of the gospel, right at the heart of the ministry of Jesus, is this agenda to go out to the margins of society and take those on the margins, put them back into the center. Mm. So it's a, it's also a story of, of, of bringing justice to those who have suffered, suffered injustice. And I think there's a piece there when it comes to the church that we've, we've missed entirely. Um, and there's, there's stories of how the ancient church were very, we're, 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 we're very good at, 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 you know, reaching out to those on the margins of society and 
And this was just part and parcel of the way that their faith outworked in the world around them. Yeah. And I yeah. think there's something of this that we've, that we've probably missed in the church. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, and, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's about like, it's about connecting the dots, isn't it? Yeah. So we've got young people and they're, they're passionate about climate justice or um, about fast fashion or, or black lives matter or me too. Um, and they're engaging in activism, you know, in these, in these areas and uh, you know, or, or, or homelessness or extreme poverty or, or whatever it is that they feel like passionate about. And we can connect the dots to the Jesus of Luke four. Mm. And we can, and we can say, Hey, do you know what you're doing? It's a gospel centered thing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you know, whether it's, you know, combating, um, racism or um injustice in in trade or whatever it is um, or it's certainly creation care mm. you know all of these things these are these are gospel things and these are things mm. uh, 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 you know we serve a god who is about the renewal of all things and as That's we right. as we do as we participate in those things we participate in the mission of god mm. and yet i do our young people know that they're even doing that and so how do we help like connect those dots between the 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 issues of activism and justice that they're engaged with and the god of justice that that we serve you know mm, absolutely and that's that's a really exciting prospect i think for the church yeah. because yeah. it helps bring our faith alive and it makes it active yes. in the world around us doesn't it and yeah, it, it connects right back to that thing that we were saying at the start you know absolutely about, yeah 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 that's right that god is interested in these things yeah, and, and active in these things. Yeah, and he's right. active in these things through us, his church as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Um, last question on the research, then. Mm. Um, just um, uh, before before I, uh, I I ask you to to let us know how we can get hold of the full thing. Um, yeah. There, therefore, you know, on that basis, uh, and just I guess with some of your lenses, uh, uh, your world vision lenses on as well, Simon. What? What does it look like to have a local youth group with a global heart? Help us to imagine that. Oh, gosh. Um, a local youth group with a global heart. Um, we really are connected to a global community nowadays. Um, yeah. you, we, we are, we're connected to global issues all over the world. I think the, the 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 sooner we realize that um it will help us to engage better with with global issues um what happens i mean i, I think it's very evident at the moment isn't it with the cost of living crisis mm. uh what's happening around the world with COVID lockdowns what's happening um in ukraine with the conflict there right now um is impacting us here in the uk we are connected Mm. to a global economy we are connected yeah. to the global community yeah. um understanding that is is helpful to some degree so so you know there's there's often been the the talk around local and 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 global it's really important to to obviously be be grounded in local and to be you know engaging in our local communities um, but it's also more important than ever, I think, to be engaging in, in the global community and, and figuring out how we can engage with it yeah. and what we can contribute to it. Um, I know from, from our perspective, you know, World Vision's perspective, it's, it's, 
you know, we're all about engaging in, in, in injustices around the world. Yeah. And so I think we um, are able to connect churches to those those global issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there ways, Simon, in which uh, a yeah. local youth group can can partner with you in, in World yeah. Vision? To it, what what? How does that? What does that look like? Yeah. So we've we've just developed a youth resource um, called No Time to Choose, mm. and it's all around our chosen um, child sponsorship model. Mm. Um, chosen um, reverses the traditional invitation of child sponsorship. Normally, you might see a child's profile at a conference or something or in a church, something like that, and choose that child and say, I'd like to sponsor that child. And then you would pay £26 a month or whatever to sponsor that child. Um, what World Vision has done is, is we've reversed the invitation. So instead of you choosing the child, we're asking people whether they would put themselves forward to be chosen by a child. Wow. And so we have a program in Uganda at the moment in Pajule. Um, and that area of Pajule is about 50,000 people. It was really destroyed, decimated uh, with the Lord's Resistance Army 20 years ago. And it's a, a community who is living in extreme poverty. Uh, so we're, we're there for a period of 15 years, um, uh, working with that community to put in the right infrastructure so that they mm. can sort of find their own sustainable, you know, ways of, 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 of moving forward. Um, and so the program associated with that is child sponsorship. And so that's £26 a month. A regular person but what we've done with the youth resource is we've um is we've uh, developed this thing called no time to choose and so you can run an event at your youth group um, a no time to choose event and you know all the choices that we have which are thousands every every single day for us here in the western world yeah. um where we're, we're putting on a well youth leaders can put on an event where they remove those choices uh, from from people in their youth yeah. group and have some fun with it yeah. um, to 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 I guess identify with those who don't have the same kinds of choices as them yeah um, in Pajule and then um, as a way of supporting um, a youth group can get together and um, maybe sponsor one child mm. in Pajule um, and so that's twenty six pounds a month for. 320 pounds, I think, over the course of a year, which is really achievable for a single youth group sponsoring mm. one child a year. And so that's one of the ways in mm. which um, a youth group can connect with what is going on in, in another part of the world and feel as though they are contributing to, to alleviating yeah, a child from extreme poverty. So I love that. Well, Simon, uh, we'll make sure that again that we link to that uh, resource uh, in, in, and that program in, in the show notes. So why don't you tell us as we finish, tell us uh, how people can like find that resource, how people can find the full open generation research and Simon, how people can connect with you uh, online as we close. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of World Vision, the best thing to do, I think if, if you're a youth pastor, youth leader and you're interested in, in connecting more, you can just you can drop us an email at churches at worldvision.org.uk. So um, just send us an email. We'd love to connect more with you and send you some resource um, around uh, the No Time to Choose stuff. Um, in terms of the open generation, the best thing to do is to go onto the website um, www.barna.com um, forward slash the open generation and um, 
those journals are available online, the global journals, and I think they're about 20 bucks um, a journal. It's something like that. So you can order those. Um, otherwise, um, we've got another journal coming out, which is specific just to the UK. So it's... Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's going to be released at some point this year. Um, and that'll also be available on um, on Barna.com, I think. So, yeah, you can get all sorts of um, resources on Barna.com as well, forward slash the open generation. And if honestly, if if, if you can't afford it and um, you'd like a copy, then just email us um, and we'll send you a free copy as well because we've got a whole bunch that we don't know what to do with at the World Vision Office. So. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, everyone. You heard it here first, and, and, yeah. and, and can people find you online yourself as well, Simon? Um, yeah, I'm I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, and yeah, that's just Simon Gibbs. Um, so, yeah. Fantastic. Well, Thanks. Simon, this has been... Uh, yeah, really interesting, really stimulating conversation. So thank you uh, so much for your time. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me, Tim. It's been so, so good. Um, hopefully some of what I've said is like been able to help and it's been a resource and, you know, and helping understand the next generation. Yeah, so. no doubt, no doubt, no doubt at all. And 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 to all of you guys listening, thank you so much. Thank you uh, for being uh, with us on the podcast today. Thank you for making it all the way through to the end. I never say that, maybe I should. Um, <laughs> but thank you most of all. Uh, for everything that you are doing to serve young people where you are. You know, we know that youth ministry, so often it's undervalued, too often it's overlooked. But what you are doing is important. Guys, what are you going to give your life to that's more important than passing on the gospel to the next generation? What greater thrill could there be than introducing a young person to Jesus and setting them off on a trajectory that is going to impact the rest of their lives. So thank you for what you're doing to serve young people where you are. Know that the smile of God is over your life. Go for it. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.